Please turn to Mark chapter 7 as we go to the word of the Lord. How many of you are familiar with Psalm 24 where it asks this question, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. And so Jesus is going to address this very issue of clean hands and a pure heart. In Judaism, the concept of ascending the hill of God is who can ascend to the very sanctuary, the tabernacle, or the presence of the Lord? How can you go to the presence of the Lord? Well, if you have clean hands and a pure heart. And so you go to the first station of offering sacrifice for your sin. You go to the water laver laver and cleanse your hands. And as a good Jew, you can approach the Lord through a priest's mediation. But Jesus is going to introduce something that is radical to Judaism that they couldn't see beyond the law and beyond the system of ceremony that was established. Let me read the text to you, if you will, in Mark chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now let me just help you out here. They're in Gennesaret. This is at the north end of the Sea of Galilee. And it says that there were Pharisees and scribes that were there from Jerusalem. That's about a 70-mile walk. These Pharisees and scribes followed Jesus' ministry, went all the way, 70 miles, with him through wherever he was going to find him in Gennesaret and to rebuke him, find fault in him. They had an agenda. They were following after him to find fault. There's people following after you, do you know? How many of you have family members watching after you, watching to find fault in your testimony? That's what they were doing, waiting to find fault, and they did. They found that the disciples stopped to eat some food, and they didn't wash their hands before they ate. That would make them ceremonially unclean before God. Now, why is that? Because the Jews believed that if you would not wash your hands and you touch something that possibly a Gentile touched, you would take on the filth of a Gentile before God. You're a chosen people. That's what the Jews were, God's holy people. And so they had to make sure that they would keep their hands clean from not being defiled by the Gentile world or the world around them. They would clean their dishes three times a day, clean their cups, clean anything, wherever they were. They had to be kosher, they had to be clean so that they would not take on the filth or the sinfulness of Gentiles. Because if they touched something a Gentile touched, that uncleanness could get on them. And so that's their thinking. Now, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. Now, this is not of the law of Moses. There are ceremonial cleansings from the law of Moses, but it had nothing to do with 
the particular habits of washing your hands at each meal and uh, each plate and so forth. Sure, there are dietary laws according to the book of Leviticus and Exodus. Most definitely what animals were clean and unclean. But what the Pharisees and the scribes had done, even recently it was with Hillel and Shema in the, in the century before Jesus, that they developed these extra laws added so that the Jews would stay clean. They're the tradition of the elders. They're not the law of God. And so that's what this story is telling us. They were holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came, had come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. Because again, in the marketplace, there's Gentiles. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Clean the couch. Huh? Next time you go to Burger King, you could sit someplace and become unclean. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them politely, Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? Ah, oh, Jesus is something else. Aren't you glad you're on his side? <laughs> He sees past the questions into the hearts of men. He said, well, the question to me is this. Did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it's written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the traditions of men. What he's saying is they're holding to the traditions they invented and not God, but they forsake the law of God. And he'll give them some examples right now. He says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. Whoever reviles his mother or father must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father and mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban. That's given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his mother and father, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down and many such things you do. That example of Corbin is this. It is turning your money over to the Lord as sacred. And so what Pharisees and scribes would do is they would say, Father, I give my life to you and all that I make financially belongs to the Lord. Sorry, Mom and Dad can't use any of the cash I have because it's sacred to God only. So they no longer help their mother and father. Look, there's no welfare system in Jerusalem uh, among the Jews. The only welfare sister, system is your children support you. But the Pharisees would reject the law of God to honor mother and father and they would keep their money for themselves. Oh, but it was for religious purposes. Have you ever seen anybody who loves the Lord, talks about Jesus, but lives a different way? They, they say one thing but do another. They have what is the, the, what would seem to be holiness, right? They have the uh, form of godliness, but there's no evidence or power showing up in their lives. And that's what Jesus is saying. And it's, it's an amazing 
uh, uh, thing that he says to them. And he called the people together and he says this, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Then he went in the house and his disciples said, uh, We don't get it. And he says, look, don't you guys understand either? He said, look, do you not see that whatever goes in a person from outside can't defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and it is expelled. The word there in in the Greek is uh, expelled from the body into the toilet. Uh, It's very direct. Jesus has no problem with talking about bodily functions. Thus he declares the food clean, and he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of a man's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual impurity, immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a purpose, a person, I mean. So the issue of what are the clean hands and a pure heart to the Jews, to the Pharisees at that time was that you could catch something unclean, that Gentiles are just an unclean people. And if you touch something they touched, you could be unclean before God. And so they so literally took the concept of being unclean before God that we're God's good people, chosen people. They're the bad people. They have cooties. And so what Jesus is introducing to Israel right now is the radical concept that is within the law that they could not see past the shell of it. They didn't understand what made a man unclean. It's not because you touch something someone else did, although we know about biology and germs and the flu being passed or sickness. We understand that, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about purity between you and God. And they thought ceremonialistly, religiously, that if they kept their hands from touching something of a Gentile, they'd be clean. But they could use those hands for doing all sorts of wrong things as long as they were spiritually pure. I know a lot of Christians like that. Hey, go go to Sunday, throw some holy water on you, you did your religious thing. Say your prayers, the Our Father, do this, you did the religious thing. Pentecostals, let's put our two cents in. Lift our hands, say hallelujah, maybe speak some tongues, and we're clean. Are we? It's this issue, the heart. I like Jesus understands the the human uh, body. He he made it. So here's a little uh, understanding of what Jesus said. He had to help the disciples. They couldn't figure it out. He says, look at guys, you didn't get this either, right? Okay. It's not what you eat. It's not what you put in. There's no cooties from the Gentiles. That's not what's making you unclean. He says what you put in your mouth goes around and around and around and it comes out your behind. We get this? Right? If we can't figure that out. And he said none of that is unclean. It's not what you put in. He said it's what comes out of the heart. He says what you eat doesn't even go into your heart. Jesus understood this. He understood the whole system of the body. And he said it's what comes out of the heart that defiles a man. 
And listen to what Jeremiah said. Jesus is preaching Old Testament coming into New Testament, the kingdom of God ministry. He's teaching the gospel right in this portion of Scripture. And he's saying this, that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can heal it? Or who can know it? Jesus can heal it. He's the only one. And this is the the beginning of the gospel for Rabbi Saul or Paul to preach in Romans chapter 3, where chapters 1, 2, and 3, where he is able to speak to Israel and the Gentiles and say, we know the Gentiles are unclean, but you Jews are unclean as well. In fact, the word says that there is none righteous, no, not one. And he levels all mankind as unclean before a holy God. And that's where Mark 7 comes in. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's beginning right now to show the depth of the law. He's not contradicting the law. He's not usurping the law. He is amplifying what is in the heart of the law, that they were too blind to go deep enough to see. He is revealing what is at the heart of the law, the sinfulness of man. And that originates not in where you put your hands or your feet. It originates out of your heart. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Could I tell you something? You don't even know your own heart. You don't even know, and I don't even know the depth of my depravity. But I'm saved and sanctified. Yeah, but you're killing your flesh every day because you still don't understand the depth of our depravity. It isn't until you get saved and you've walked with the Lord for years you begin to realize what He saved you from. Now some of you got saved out of crisis, saved out of addiction, saved out of bad relationship, saved out of some heavy-duty sins. Can I tell you something? You don't even know the depth of how far you could have gone. Everyone in this room, we could have gone to the depths of the worst sinners there could have been. Don't think you were ever good. For the Lord knows our hearts, and they were utterly depraved. It is only through God that changed our hearts that we now can come to salvation and have clean hearts uh, and a pure hand. Clean hands and a pure heart. Only because of what Christ's blood did for us. And when you awaken to that, you begin the examination of the Holy Spirit. How many of you realize day after day you come to a realization, why did I have that thought in my heart? And he'll go deeper, and he'll go deeper, and he'll do more surgery. How many of you remember the passage in Colossians 2? I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. You see, there's the only remedy for us is Ezekiel. I'll read it to you. Ezekiel 36, 26. As you're going to Colossians, I'm going to read Ezekiel. The Lord promised this. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I'll cleanse you. And here it is, verse 26 of Ezekiel 36. And I will give you a new heart... And a new spirit I will put in you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What he's saying is this, as Jeremiah prophesied, that the heart is desperately wicked. No man can know it. It's deceitful. It even deceives ourselves. But the promise came through Ezekiel that there is a day coming when God promises that he's going to do heart surgery on us. 
Our hearts are as dead as they can be to God. But God is going to reach into our hearts through the love of Jesus Christ shown on the cross and extract that heart of stone and put in a heart that is beating with the love of God. That's what the cross is. It's a surgery table. It's the table where you lay your life down and God transplants your old dead heart out and puts the heart of Jesus into your life. And now you become clean before God. You can approach and ascend the true hill of the Lord God with clean hands and a pure heart because it's Christ's heart that He made clean for you. But you've got to remember That it's your heart God's dealing with. The heart motivates the hands. They had it backwards. If I don't touch this, if I don't do that, if I don't do this, and if I don't do that, I'll be clean. And Paul was arguing about that in Colossians 2, verse 21. I had you turn there so I can read. Colossians 2, 21, it says this. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch referring to things that all perish as they're used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they're of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul is speaking right there about Mark chapter 7, the very teaching of Jesus Christ. He says, look, come on, people. You think your righteousness is by not touching. Don't look at that. Don't handle. That by not doing those things, you are being righteous and holy. You never act in holiness by what you don't do. Holiness is what is to be produced through you by the very fruit of the Spirit. See, we've got Christians who think they're in right standing with God because they don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't go to the movies, they don't look at pornography, they don't swear, they, they, and, and so forth. Now, those are all good things, may I say. We know that those things will affect you negatively. But if you think by not doing these things you're righteous before God, you're wrong. Because what would we do with all the Buddhist monks and all the Mormons? And all those who follow after Muhammad, are they all righteous before God? But don't they follow that asceticism? Don't they refrain from doing things with their body that everybody recognizes is wrong? Does that now make them all holy? So holiness is just what you do. Your hands are clean. And that's what Jesus is saying. You're missing it. They're all missing it. And Paul's saying, this do not touch, don't handle, don't do that. That looks good on the outside for religious efforts. It looks good, and it is a good practice. But it never impacts the flesh and the drive of your flesh. How many of you know people who don't look at pornography but have enough lustful thoughts in their head to match it? right? People that I don't hurt anyone, but with their words, they slander and gossip and hurt people's reputations. Hey, hey, I'm right before God, right? How many of us judge one another and perceive what we're better than others, and those people are this, and those people are that, but yet we wouldn't harm a flea. We're clean, 
And Jesus is saying, this is a heart issue. And Jesus said, I am coming into your heart. The gospel, the good news, the law of God is coming into your heart. And that's what a true believer is, someone who lives from the heart out. You can do all these religious practices, good for you. Many of us are fooled. I get fooled every day. Every week I get fooled by who comes in this church. I have people who fool me when I'm counseling them in my office. I'll ask them to their face, are you doing this? They'll say no. Are you doing that? Do you say, they'll say no. And a week later I have to go visit them someplace. Because they're, they were doing what they said they weren't. They lie. We all lie. We all lie. Our hearts have got to be laid on the operating of Jesus, operating table of the Lord Jesus Christ so he can examine the heart and do his work. Yes, he comes into our heart. He gives us a new heart. But there is still the flesh that has patterns and thoughts that he must contend with. But be of good cheer because he's doing that work. His spirit is the only one that can do it. The the latest book on the New York Times bestseller by the the Christian author isn't going to do it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Your next self-help book isn't going to do it. Maybe it'll touch and and help identify some things, but the one doing the work is the Spirit of God. He's the one doing the work. And so Jesus is telling them something that is so amazing and awesome that if you want to have pure hands and a clean heart, it starts with the clean heart so that you'll have pure hands. They had it reversed. Let's act religiously and then maybe we'll believe. No, no. Christian, you start with Jesus Christ. Giving your life to Him so that His heart will be exchanged for your dead one. In that, you will begin to honor God in all things. You'll begin then to decide, I don't think I need the alcohol because I have a right relationship with God. I feel healed. What do I need that for? I don't need to smoke to calm myself down. I've got the very person of the Holy Spirit who's within me. What do I need that for? I don't need illicit sex, adultery, fornication. I don't need that. I want a godly lifestyle where I can really learn what true love is all about. I can put away this foolishness. It's no longer now a religious act to win the favor of God. It is now out of the favor of God in your heart. You obey your Father in love. That kind of Christianity has to start showing up. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I would ask you, brothers and sisters, to examine your hearts today. Examine your hearts before the Lord. If you're saved, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a new heart. It is secured in you. Now let that heart begin to beat in all areas of your life. There are times when a a heart has a problem where the blood isn't flowing into all aspects and chambers of that heart. You have a new heart in Jesus, but is it flowing into all aspects of your mind and understanding? Are there some things you reserve apart for yourself? Then examine yourselves. Maybe some of you got the routine down. Maybe you're tithing 10%. Good for you. Ooh, good. Some of you fast once a month, once a week. Ooh, good for you. 
Some of you pray every day for an hour. Ooh, good for you. Now, you have to be careful. I, 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 I can't put those things down. Those are necessary things. Those are good things. But if that is the form of your righteousness, oh, you're missing it. Let us start with an open heart before God and say, Holy Spirit, beat your precious blood of Jesus into my entire being. And so God... Give me a clean heart that I may have pure hands. Amen. Let us bow our heads. Father, we thank you today.